0: all the way. Oh, and Two for Fox sake, my name is Pete Selby and uh, Rob, we've got to the episode before the final game of the season. We should be celebrating European football. We should be commiserating not qualifying for European football and finishing mid-table. But that's not the case. Well, here we
1: are still a Premier League club for one more podcast, Pete. It might yes. be the last time, but we've got one more Premier League podcast to deliver and before last weekend in the, on the previous episode of the podcast that was not set in stone and all we wanted was for Leicester to be in the mix come the final game of the season something riding on it a reason if anything else for the fans to turn out something for us to talk about and we are still just about in the mix.
0: We are. And it was a such a strange game, wasn't it, against Newcastle? Um, trying to work out how we approach this, because we're a few days down the line and, and, and kind of all the attention is now on Everton, because once that game finishes, you know, you, you you kind of, it's one game to go, so it quickly goes, you know, behind us. But do do you think the approach was right? I That's the question I've been asked. Um, do you think the approach was right... In hindsight, looking at the result, etc., etc., Or did you want Leicester to be more adventurous um, throughout the course of the 90 minutes slash beforehand with the lineup? I think 100% it was the right
1: decision. I just think there was a little bit lacking in the execution of it. But I think the strategy itself was absolutely spot on. Uh, and that's probably the first time that I've thought that since uh, Smith, Shakespeare and Terry came in. And I'm wondering why it wasn't employed several games ago. I'm not saying to that extent at all. But the the only thing lacking, uh, and, and it's obviously a big thing and it's, it's something that we built the foundations of the Premier League title-winning season on, the only thing lacking was the use of the ball. Because I think defensively, bar a couple of individual errors, which are always going to come in this team at the moment, I think defensively it was solid. And they just were in a habit of, getting rid of the ball a little bit too quickly which immediately surrendered possession surrendered territory and allowed Newcastle to come again and again and again yes it's a bit of a miracle that we didn't concede with the woodwork coming into our uh, coming to our rescue three times but overall i think it was the right approach it's really divided opinion on social media and on and when i've spoken to Leicester fans and non Leicester fans in the last few days. But I'm in agreement with it. What about you?
0: Yeah, I think and I was thinking this during the game and I was I was kinda going, I reckon we've got it about right. Um completely agree with you regarding the lineup. The one thing Leicester can't do is keep clean sheets. So and we've been banging the drum like get a line of the big lads at the back. You've got the biggest of the big lads. How often does Dan Byrne go forward for a corner and he's being marked by someone taller than him? It's you've got that in your side now I know Evans has been back for only two games but before that you had Soyuncu, and then you've got to the right of what could possibly be a back three um a someone like uh an Armati for example in a back three you know like kind a of no nonsense uh kind of player or, or 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 whatever kind of way you want, you want to put it um or Bolt Vass, obviously um so you had that option of a suitor, vast one sides so introducer that was there okay three center halves three lads who are good in the air um three aggressive center halves as well and you had the option to actually go out and say look at this in front of it is going to be wilfred ndidi and, and possibly Bubukari samare so that's five units that's a pretty intimidating side, you know. You've got a goalkeeper fairly sizable. We'll come on to him shortly, but it's that's an interesting team. And if you're looking at Leicester and you're saying you can't can't keep a clean sheet, save your life. Going back to that, and then say, okay, but what do you have up front? Do you have the ability to score goals? Yes, we do. So I don't understand why they haven't gone for that. And we went out there and said, look, just be horrible, be absolutely horrible, and they were. And they did it. And I think it was the right thing to do. Could they have pushed on a little bit more with, say, 20 minutes to go? Possibly. But they could have let a goal in. A defeat would mean we're down. A draw means we've got a chance. And, well, I thought that Castagna shot was in. So if it went in, then, you know, happy days. And, well, this podcast becomes an awful lot different. It is it is so interesting, though, because of the way they played. And, and, and also frustrating. I I mean it showed up the 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 foibles really of the side you know the lack of ability to keep the ball and this is it doesn't matter what formation you could play but they they couldn't string two passes together at all and it was I mean I said to like some family like I said oh, Vardy should be replaced by Dakar because he's just running around chasing down nothing and at least Dakar can do it quicker um so it, it it and then they brought on Barnes and I, I think that was right I think it was the right subs and then obviously they nearly snuck it at the end. I think some there were some big performances. Suter was excellent in the centre. And they, well, again, getting they're a side who cross the ball, Newcastle. It's very interesting the way they play. I heard someone say, and I can't remember where it was, and I listened to plenty of podcasts and watched a lot of football. Someone said that they play Newcastle play like an old Manchester United. That Manchester United side of the nineties. And they kind of do. I, I like that. They've got two sizable forwards. Um, they like to get the ball into the area. They like to recycle the ball out wide to the right and then cross in from that position where Beckham would do, but with, with Trippier. Like, and, and it's all action. And it's, there's a few cynical fouls and all this. So there's, they are. I, could, I can see that. I think, I think it was a real... As soon as it said, I was like, yes, that's 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 right. Um, But they are the side. I still think they're the number one side in the Premier League for giving it 110% for every single player. And you could just tell. So I think overall the result was great. I thought Suter was excellent. Um, I thought the defence actually was, was very good. Uh, Castagna, he, he's, he really has kind of dropped off um, this season quite dramatically in his performances. I thought Thomas, I mean, he's in the under-21 side. He's... I... I don't quite. I'm not quite sure how they still didn't kind of score from that side. They the second half. He, it ended the first half, and then in the second, he looked lost completely, didn't he? And again, he's just devoid of all confidence and 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 some may say ability. But you know what I mean. He, he's completely gone. And when he was in the starting lineup, oh my word! Um, and he was he was just given a really tough task in midfield. I thought indeed he played well. I, I actually thought it's probably Samare's best game for Leicester. But then again, you're asking him to do just the very basics. He is a very basic footballer. I think if you're asking him to be a kind of a, a defensive midfield um, midfielder, but not the only one, he can't play in a midfield two in a defensive midfield position unless you are by far the dominant side. Now, could he play that role in the championship? He might have to. But if he does play that role in the championship, I think he'll probably be good enough too. But Premier League level, he's just not going to hack it. He's not... He's not good enough in all aspects of the game. But by being just a blunt object wardrobe in the middle of the field, he, he did it quite well. But then again, going forward, again, there was there was absolutely nothing. But we got that point. But where was the fight? The fight was there, yes, the other day. But where was it beforehand? That's what infuriates me. I've just done a podcast with um, the Everton Blue Room podcast. And they asked me about what's been lacking this season. And I know it's kind of what we're not going to go into this. But I says, it's desire. He says, because oh, the Leicester team more than good. Enough to, well, why are they there? And I'm like, yeah, the team is not that far different. The team that we started in the Premier League with this year, it's not too far different from the ones that nearly finished in fourth. I says, but when players come to the end of their cycle through either moving and wanting to move on or end of their, you know, and then obviously the manager and then everything to do with the club just goes down that 10, 15% that's what you get and that's why the crowd are upset with the players because they know they're good enough it's not going he's rubbish he's rubbish he's he's not very good he's not very good we know they're good players that's the problem and when you want them just to book their ideas up and get out of it that's that's the disappointing thing you know if we get relegated it's only going to be down to lack of desire which is amazing if forest go down they'll go they'll have a million million reasons why they went down. Um, if Leeds go down, which they, which obviously they could still and, and, and our favourites too, again, it would be quite easy to pick out one or two star players who haven't been playing this season and obviously the way that they've played lessons off too open. Southampton, very, very easy to pick holes in that side. And obviously Everton, very easy to pick holes in the actual playing side, quality-wise. But when Leicester are down there and possibly are going down... It's just purely about the desire from the bench, from the players. It's it's ridiculous, and um, and yet it was there against Newcastle. And I did, that, I think they did ever so well to to get the point in the end. I think the goalkeeper. The the questions around the goalkeeper. I still think there's there's a really good goalkeeper there. He's what twenty five years old, and. If he get if, if he needs to believe in himself more, be confident. Be Nick Pope would have gone and punched that or claimed it and fell and um, fell over the top of the player, not try and gather it in your arms, not with your hands. That's that's what kind of amateur goalkeepers would do. He's got the size, he's got the ability, but he needs to be more more confident in his own size, really. But overall, I I think it was the right approach. And we got the point, and and we live for another day. It might only be a few, Rob, but we're still there. We are still there, and I I think there's two main
1: reasons why we saw uh, what what we would perceive as supporters to be a greater amount of desire in the Newcastle game than we have in in previous games. Pretty much most of the season, um, and certainly if we sort of do it in the short term, since the uh, the firefighting crew of Smith Shakespeare and Terry came in. I think the the first one, uh, well, the, the two things are, are linked. Actually, the two reasons. I think it was it was partly to do with the the tactics, uh, and then partly to do with the fact that we didn't concede a goal. Because uh, let, let's go on the goal con- concession first, because I think that's that's going to be a little bit quicker. Uh, how many times have we seen even under Dean Smith when Leicester concede the first goal? very quickly another one follows because they instantly are devoid of any belief, desire or anything, any positive energy is completely sapped out of them straight of the way. It's as if they sort of go, here we go again. And it's basically game over when the first goal goes in. So the fact that we kept a clean sheet, it puts you in the game until stoppage time when, when Castagna's shot is saved by Nick Pope. And, you know, it gives you the opportunity to... to potentially come away with the smash and grab but at least the point that we did so there's that one and, and it's something that we've not known for 20 odd games and however many months and before the world cup that i can't even remember it seems that long ago so it's something it's a very alien concept and it's something that i think buoyed the players the second thing and the reason that we kept the clean sheet largely is the the tactical approach to the game and the shape i personally as a supporter. Have struggled to find elements of the game or the or the approach to the play that Leicester are, that Leicester are producing on the pitch that I can fully get behind. Reasons to actually support the team. Something that I can support the team to do. I think it's looked a little bit amateurish at times under Dean Smith. I don't think I said on previous podcasts quite as strongly as as I felt at the time about the fact that tactically I thought it was very, very poor and extremely naive to get absolutely torn apart by Everton and, and come out with a two-all draw in one of the most end-to-end games I've seen in a long time and then come out of that and get absolutely walked all over by Fulham in a very similar style. I thought I was really poor um, from uh, tactically because there was no sign whatsoever that any idea... Or, or or tactical changes had been put into place to stop that from happening. But this time there was a very clear objective and as soon as you saw the team sheet, you thought, right, okay, it's backs to the wall for a bit. It's not going to be like this the whole game, hopefully. There's going to be at some point when Leicester think, okay, we're in the game, we're in the game, take it to the last 25, 30 minutes maybe, let's go see then if we can, if we're still in the game then at 60, 65 minutes, we can go for it you knew that was coming from the lineup and it all made sense as we've as we've said in the opening 10 15 minutes of this podcast but what it did do is it gave everybody a collective uh job to do on the pitch and yeah all right they couldn't feel my support watching it at home but i'm sure the supporters there at um st james's park uh that travelled up to watch Leicester, i'm sure they saw straight away right this is what we need to back the team to do and they could see very clearly that every time possession was conceded, which was pretty much all the time, Leicester would get themselves back into shape nice and quickly. They knew which players they needed to press at which time. They saw every single one of our five defenders chucking their bodies on the line to do exactly what they needed to do to get in the way of that ball. You know, There were some big blocks. There was desire from Andidi to head that one off the line when the mistakes were made. There was... um, a couple of decent saves from Daniel Everson, you know, a couple of drops, well, one drop and one complete air flap at um, at one of the other set pieces aside. The the shot stopping was decent, and everybody could see this is what they're trying to do, and they are doing their best here. It's not looked like they've been trying their hardest for weeks, months, probably, but against Newcastle on Monday night, it looked like those players wanted to be there and they wanted to carry out the the instructions of the manager, and they wanted to get a result for themselves, for their teammates, for the club, for the badge, for the supporters, whoever. They wanted to get a result. They wanted to keep a clean sheet. They achieved that. And I think that if that happens three, four games before this, we're safe before Forest. But it's not been there. But it is here now, and I feel from on the basis of that performance... I feel it's slightly, slightly more hopeful uh, about the outcomes of um, the last game of the season. Obviously, dependent on the Everton Bournemouth result, but y- you feel like Leicester could go and do something. Whereas every game before the Newcastle game, you've not believed that. I- I- there is a little bit of belief there for me.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's a, it's an intriguing question because you talk about what happened at Newcastle, you talk about the tactics, the desire, etc., and then you look at. What we've got coming up, and we've got the game obviously against West Ham, but you can't talk about that game at all without referencing what could happen at Everton and what's going to happen at Everton. It's it's two in one, isn't it? Um, The draw means that we basically need to win against West Ham. That's what we need to do. We need to win, and if we do, we need to hope that Everton do not win. So Everton draw or lose, nice and simple, nothing else. That's fine. Um, so if that's the way it is, we head into Sunday knowing that we've got to beat West Ham at home. Seeing the result and seeing the performance and seeing the starting lineup up and, and how it was against Newcastle, do we go the same way or similar? Or do we just go back to norm? Um I I I'll I'll go first. Rob. I think we just go back to norm. I I don't think you can play the same way at all. Obviously, because we need to win the game. I think West Ham they did very well to beat Leeds because they were one nil down at home after all that happened in their game in Europe, and they've got now probably hopefully two eyes on Prague and playing in the Europa Conference League final. So, what side will they put out? I can't help but think that they're gonna put out a fairly strong side with a view to taking off some players, but with one or two noticeable absentees. I can't see any reason why you just wouldn't. If this was Leicester in the same position, you'd be going, Right, don't play from the start Harvey Barnes. Don't play probably Yuri Tillemans. Um and then don't and maybe don't play Madison, but then have maybe the rest of the side playing. And then they maybe they can come on if possible, but there you go, have quite a few kids on the bench that you have at the, the end of the season. So hopefully that would be the kind of team that they play. But for Leicester, I can't see any reason why you just don't go back to norm. Go back to the four at the back, two in midfield, but you... And this is going to sound crazy because of what what's happened over the last well season. But you look at the players. The the the, the team rallying cry, the speech by, by Smith, etc. It writes itself. You go out there and say, well, you need to win. You know what to do. This is going to be the last time, win or lose or draw, stay up, go down, whatever. This is going to be the last time that many of you will put on Leicester shirt. We know that. It's probably going to be our last game here in charge anyway. So let's all go out on a high, regardless of the overall outcome. We're going to play in positions that we've played for years. You can have Vardy up front, you can have Barnes one side, you can have Madison either the other side or in the centre. Maybe Tete out wide, probably one last or, you know, go and earn yourself a, a move, possibly. You can have Yuri Tillemans alongside Wilfred and Didi. Best two midfielders in the Premier League at some time or other. There's a partnership. Right up there. And you're gonna have the back four, you're gonna have Suter playing, obviously, alongside maybe Vass. But if Vass is for me, if Johnny Evans is fit, which you you kind of will doubt after what happened against Newcastle. But if he's fit, I'd play him. Um, And then you've got the fullbacks, okay, and and the goalkeeper. I I think you just go first team and say, go and win the game. Go and enjoy yourselves, win the game and see what happens. But a lot of those players will walk out onto that pitch knowing, and we could go through them, but you all know various reasons. Madison knows it's his last game. Yuri Tillemans knows it's his last game. Okay, and then there's other players out there who know, even if they stay up, that there's a possibility of moves elsewhere with the likes of, say, Barnes, just for example. So, and who knows what Vardy will be thinking. So, I I can't see any reason why you wouldn't go back. And also, you'd go into that game saying, don't hold back. West Ham have got that about them where they've got, obviously, this game coming up. So, if you want to go in in for a tackle because they might back off and... Really put it to them. They might not fancy it. It would be very interesting to see their team. But I, I just, I don't see any reason why you don't do that with Leicester. I don't think going back to a back three like we did it against Newcastle I, at home. I just don't see why. Um That's what I reckon. I agree with ninety odd percent
1: of what you're saying. I agree with the the shape in terms of the the formation, the personnel. It was Tete, wasn't it? No, it wasn't Tete. Uh, the the rallying cry from Smith and the, the way to motivate the players look go out on a high whatever you've all achieved x amount at Leicester this is the last one do it for the club whatever I agree with all of that I don't necessarily well I don't I definitely don't want for a second to go back to the ridiculous vacant gung ho ridiculousness that was uh, Fulham Everton etc because that could completely undo what I think was, was a large contributing factor in the players' increasing belief against Newcastle in Leicester leaving massive gaps. West Ham, even though they'll probably um, leave a few of their big players out, can still cause you problems. Yeah, they're not had the greatest of seasons, but you give players of, of that quality, that much space, um, Look, Fulham picked us off completely. And, and I'm worried about that because I think... The longer we're in the game, the more likely we are to stay up. I know that sounds very straightforward, but I'm not saying backs to the wall like Newcastle at all, uh, but I, I think there has to be a real clear uh, method to it in the sense that Leicester have got to get into their shape as soon as it's physically possible when West Ham get the ball... And that involves not necessarily committing too many bodies forward too early on. Um, you're naturally going to have uh, the players further forward. Like Barnes will sort of um, will, will pin the right back when he when he's playing high up on the left hand side. Madison will preoccupy a few players, um, but you've got to make sure that Telemans and Ndidi or whoever plays in that midfield too that we're that we're thinking is is the best approach you've got to make sure that they're not getting overrun because they've been overrun quite a lot in in Dean Smith's previous tactics and the second that west ham get on the on the front foot is when Leicester will start thinking oh sugar here we go again uh relegation is looming shoulders might drop that extra half a yard of pace might disappear and we could be in a bit of trouble we've got to, we've got to be in the game that that that's it you, you you're keeping a clean sheet you're 65-70 minutes in, you see that the Everton-Bournemouth uh, scoreline is is a positive one for Leicester at that stage. And you start saying, lads, let's be a little bit more progressive here. Let's just feel our way into the game a bit, get hold of the ball, use it way better than we did against Newcastle. That That's a given, that's got to happen. But I, I still think we need to have an element of being a bit more reserved to make sure that we don't get ourselves relegated in the first 20-25 minutes. Because let's be honest, this Leicester team is perfectly capable of ending the Premier League season 20 minutes after kick-off on Sunday.
0: Yes, I I, I agree with that. I'm going to kind of argue against against that though. Even though I agree with it. So how, how that doesn't sound right at all, does it? But um, I, I, I agree, but... I think we we need to score first. Is the one point. Um, I think even if we concede first, I, I I you know, what effect will that have on our game? I still think we can come back and and win because of the, just the the scenario that I mentioned before with maybe taking off players for West Ham et cetera, and then we grow in the second half. But the 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 big thing is, we need Everton not to win. So an early goal at Leicester will make Everton, which at the time maybe is nil-nil, very, a very, very nervous place to be. Talking to them today, and they were saying that it's a very, very nervy ground. And and I said, well, funny enough, I said, I don't think the king power kind of is because we've not really been in this scenario. I said, even when we survived, before we won the league, we, we were all sorted before we thrashed QPR. And, and it was all right. So... We didn't really have this kind of last day. I mean, you go back to the Stoke game, going down to the League One, really, and it's and that was a, a generation ago. So we've we've not really got experience of this, and because of the way the season's gone, completely differently, really, to to kind of Everton. Um, I said it's not really. I don't think that's going to be the, a question at Leicester, and they were, but they were really up for it with with regards to Everton they were saying quite obviously if that if that's the case if Leicester score first then that will be very very quickly passed on to the players at Everton just because of obviously modern technology etc no one's sitting listening to a radio anymore and um and so that's a big thing so so there's that and 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 do you think that will play into or play part of the team kind of discussion you know if we're going to score score early get that early goal and make things nervous or are we just concentrating on our our game again there's no probably right answer to it but um, do you think that would come into play Rob? I personally not that I'm a professional footballer
1: but I personally would rather not know and until we get to sort of the towards the end of the game uh, well the Leicester the Leicester ultimately that there's no other outcome that saves Leicester other than them winning the game. So they know the objective. the The Everton result is is out of Leicester's hands, obviously, and the Leicester players know they need to go and win the game. So ultimately, they need to decide as a group of players and a and a management and coaching staff how is it best for us to go and beat West Ham. It's you can't. I personally don't think you can start thinking anything to do with Everton and Bournemouth for the Leicester players. It's get on there, and this is the approach that we've all agreed on that is going to enable us to win the game. And let's say you're 75, 80 minutes in, and you're drawing. They know what's required of them, regardless of what's going on in the in the Everton Bournemouth game. The other thing you've got to factor in is yes, all these games are going to kick off at the same time. They're not all going to finish at the same time. You know, with with added time, um, you could they could kick off the second half different times. They could add eight minutes on at one game and three minutes on at the other so ultimately knowing what's happening at Everton Bournemouth I don't think is any help to anybody at any time and vice versa for them really because Everton know that to ensure safety they've got to go and win the game okay later on in the game they're probably going to be looking at the Leicester score and seeing that if Leicester are getting battered 3-0 by um by West Ham then and Everton are are losing or or drawing. For example, they don't need to go and chase that win. But for Leicester, it's it's win or bust, and they have to go about it in a, I think, in a sensible and methodical way, not just a let's get on there and try and get that ball in the goal as quickly as possible. Yes, if if Everton do decide to filter the 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 scorelines to their players, it might make them start worrying a little bit if Leicester go you know, 2-0 up in the first half an hour or something, they might be thinking, all right, here we go, we're under we're under the cosh here. But ultimately, I think the focus all has to be on Leicester doing the job. And for me, the, the, the best way to win the game against West Ham is make sure you're still in it towards the end of it. And I think we proved that against Newcastle.
0: Yep, it's uh, there's just so many twists and turns and hopefully there will be. I mean, at the end of the day, if Everton go turn it up inside the first 20 minutes, it's going to be a rather damp squib and it will be a very interesting scenario. It'll be interesting if we okay, we stay up. You stay up, everyone's fine, you applaud them off the pitch, you kind of I mean, at the end of the day, you finish 10th, you finish what 17th. Um, you know, I know it's a few million quid, etc, but you're still playing Premier League football, there's still going to be a massive turnaround. Do you clap the players off? Do you clap them on their lap of appreciation? Um, I think you do, don't you? If they stay up, regardless of how it's gone this season, I think you just do. Look, you survived. You did it today. You scrambled over the line. Thanks for doing for your careers, um, for the FA Cup, for the fantastic football, the European runs. Yeah, you. I think you've got to. If it goes the other way, though, if I mean, if the worst of the worst happens, where Leicester lose. Three <laughs> nil and Everton lose one nil. I mean, that would be unbelievable. That would be it'd be terrible. It's going to be. There surely is no lap of appreciation. If there is, there's only going to be a few people left in the ground, and they're going to be there because they want to swear at the players, and boo them, and shout at them. And you can't blame them. Um, so that's going to be <laughs> that's going to be very interesting. It's um. It's going to be a warm day. You just think, and then, uh, that doesn't mean a single thing, but uh, you just look at Leicester at home, and if they're going to try and knock the ball around, I mean, it sounds ridiculous because of the way they've played. I, I, I can just, re- I really can see Leicester winning. I really can. But then again, you look at what. What's going on at Everton and can they beat Bournemouth at home? I thought it was Bournemouth to play quite well actually against Manchester United. And they haven't got Dominic Calvert Lewin, so they really don't have any strikers. It's made up for a Leicester to win 3-0 and Everton to win one nil with a ninety-fifth minute Damari Grey goal. And I think that's been mentioned a few times in places, so I'm not um copying people's work there, but uh, but that's that's what it's like. There is one post I did see, and that's just about Leicester as a football club this season, and that's the men's side. On the brink of relegation, the women's team, 11th of 12, but only the bottom club goes down and failing really to build year on year in the two seasons now they've been in the uh, the WSL. They've got a trip to, I believe it's Brighton on the final day, but their relegation rivals Reading are at home against Chelsea, who need to win then to seal the, the title. So, it's likelihood that Leicester will survive in the uh, wsl regardless of their own performance the under 21s have been relegated and the under 18s are right down towards the bottom of their league it's I, I i can fully believe that the men men's first team not doing well will then filter down to the under 21s and the 18s i think the the women's side doesn't really have any correlation to it but it's it is just quite interesting that on all aspects of the club on the field it's been a real kind of mess Um and and it also really brings home the signings that we've made when you look at Brighton and you look at how they how they played against Manchester City last night and the players that they had and how much they were signed for four million here three million here yes they spent 10 million on this player and 15 million pound on that player but they turn out to be Estepinian and um, Casado who's worth seven times that now and then other players worth much more than they were signed for, like ten times more, twenty times, like unbelievable amount more. Mitoma, I know you can't you can't look at playing. Oh, I didn't we sign him, but they seem to have a conveyor belt of players. I know they have a lot of links down in South America and sign those sort of players. But it's, and I know we have had a really good track record over the last seven years. But how do you? How far do you go back? Do you go back five years and go? Well, it's not all too bad. But in recent history, the the, the, the way Leicester have bought players has, has just been shocking, really, absolutely shocking. And you look at the the way Leicester is as a football club, the way it's set up off the script, off the field, with the training ground, with everything we know at the football club, and, and also the buying power of the of the owner and the way that we can actually go out and get that guy, like we did with Fofana, um, and spend the money. I, I, we haven't brought in a, a flood of players. We've relied on, we've we brought in Daka and Samara and gone, well, if, they, if they're rubbish, if they don't work out, which overall they haven't, we've just gone and, and dropped £35 million on two players and that's it. The, where are the others? It's not like we've gone and spent £35 quid on uh, one signing and then five smaller signings. And hopefully a few of them floats, and if the others don't, we've only dropped a few million quid, not fifteen to twenty. It's um, it's quite remarkable how much faith they kind of put in. And then then you look at the the, the free signings, you know, obviously they've, they've gone completely downhill. But it's strange because any club can then look at, you know, Manchester United can look at, well, why don't we go and sign these players? Well, you're Manchester United, that's a different prospect. We're at a similar kind of level. We should have been the club going out and getting these sorts of players, bringing in an awful lot of players that no one's ever heard of who have been performing in leagues around the world. Come to the Premier League. Come to this club where everyone knows. Everyone knows Leicester. They've got the ability, the money, and also look at the state of the training ground and the area that you can live in. Fantastic. But it seems that Brighton have got it between their teeth at the moment and and ours is off the field. That that aspect of it has just fallen over massively. It's a shame, isn't it, that
1: we're at this point? I know it. We're talking. I guess the the situation is the same, regardless of the outcome on Sunday, isn't it? Leicester um, uh, have fallen quite a long way behind other clubs that you think they should be competitive with. You know, Brighton's a very good example of a very good model, where the you know the players are coming out like Lewis Dunk, um, Danny Welbeck. You know, players that have been around a while. Uh, and they're saying, "Look, the, the club's got everything right here. There's a feel-good atmosphere around here. They're investing in the right kind of players. It's a club where you can come through as a as a young player or or get signed from obscurity as a 19-year-old. Work hard, get yourself in the team, and and all of a sudden you can all, almost turn yourself into not necessarily an overnight sensation, but very very quickly you you contribute to to this club that's going places and." You're all of a sudden going places too, whereas, you know, we've we've it's been well documented at Leicester, uh, and we've gone over it numerous times on the podcast about how things have become very stagnated and very stale at the club in terms of the the lack of ins and outs. But then you've hit the nail on the head there in terms of the quality of the ins and outs as well, and and the problem being, you're bringing in players like Suiter and Fass and Christiansen uh, as three recent signings to name but what you've done is brought them into a team that is struggling and saying to them can you drag us out of this well suitors come from the championship uh, and Fass and Christiansen have come from less uh, talented leagues or less competitive leagues um in Europe so why on, earth, why on earth did you expect these players to come in and rescue Leicester? These are the players that you should be bringing into a team um, that, that's playing well already, where the senior players or the more experienced players or the international players are are performing well. I know, I know Suter and, and Fass and Christensen played international football for whatever countries they're from and whatever age groups and that. But, you know, you, you're talking you know strong Belgian internationals African Cup winning internationals at the club. They these players should be coming into a well-oiled machine that's performing well and then they should be taken along for that ride with them. But what's happened is everything's gone so stale at the club and performances have gone have tailed off so dramatically that these players that have come in have initially looked really good, Suta looked decent and nice and tidy when he first signed while fast everyone thought he was going to be the the savior the new chu all of this with his style i think he's been found out a little bit but because everybody's put so much on them they're like oh you're the new lads you can dig us out of this Th- they weren't really brought in for that they were brought in because we've got we've had a central defensive crisis for a long time now and they were brought in to try and provide at least some competition or some freshness but, but mainly because, one, we couldn't afford somebody to drop in and be, I'm not asking for world-class signings, but, you know, Premier League ready. And two, as a club, that I think they're still trying to sign the players that can develop at Leicester and be part of a team that gets better and better and better. But that only works, as, as I said at the start at this point, that only works if the team that they're in is already performing to a standard that they can get themselves up to and contribute to. And, you know, you're looking at these players and Christensen clearly struggling for for one reason or another because Luke Thomas is being picked over him. And Luke Thomas, although he's not a new sign-in, is a young lad who should be being exposed to first-team football in a way that's not putting him under this much pressure. I know it's professional sport and I know it's the situation they find themselves in, but, you know, Leicester haven't signed anybody that they can just gradually put in. You know, you look at players, um, I think it's has scored that great goal for, for Brighton uh, last night. He he wasn't um, getting starts when he first signed for Brighton, but he comes off the bench, puts in a couple of decent cameos, trains well, a couple of injuries, gets a run in the, in the team and then all of a sudden Bosch is contributing like that to a draw against Man City, that confirms Europa League football. So, it's it, it's the the whole the transfer windows over the last three four years probably have been a huge contributing factor to where we are today. And here we are, one game away from dropping into the Championship, when the entire transfer strategy has to change. When it's going to be sell, sell, sell. And you're
0: looking to to have to rebuild the team. I think also in a non-defending Leicester way. I think also you are kind of doing it from a different level as well. We were fifth in the table for two years running, and you're buying players to try and keep you at that level, and try and get, try and obviously increase the, you know, the quality of the side. That's difficult at that level. You know, we are playing to their maximum pretty much. And so to bring in you can't really, I suppose, sign, you know, a load of proper unknowns because you'd be like, well, where hang on, where, where should we should be go aiming higher. But I wonder if people will look back and go, well actually we we should have done that and then brought them into a very good winning side rather than kind of trying to buy at our level. I know the the Fafana sign was just a and we said it at the time, an absolute complete one off. Regardless of where Leicester were in the league, but um, it, yes, it's um, it's something to look back on, obviously, when the when the season's finished. Regardless, as you said, of, of whether you know whether we're in the Premier League or not, because it's going to be still a fire sale, but um, of different proportions. Um, no, as as we're recording, Rob, um, we've got um, well, first of all, the the, the groundsmen have won the uh, or the grounds team. They've won the um, the Premier League best pitch award so for the umpteenth time it seems to be the king power um so uh tip of the cap to them but um it's slightly awkward to to do the team uh the the, the, the fancy team because before we go on to the the final game of the season and what we think is going to happen um because away from that there's not really a lot else really is there because it's all on this one game um we'll just run through rob i think we should do because of where we are in the uh, in the uh, In the season at the current time Manchester United are playing Chelsea so this will be slightly different by the time you listen to this podcast but I think it's only right before the last game we do the top 10 so play that music so at the time of recording the top 10 up into 10th place Fraser Hodgkins with Lord of the Ings uh, 4,000 2,409 It's been a long day 2,409 Ninth place No movement from Lim Squires Glasgow Celtic 2,439 Down into 8th Olivia Tooney With Schmeichel Jackson 2,452 Up into 7th Goran uh, Vlaovic With Brocolona And he's on 2,456 No change at six. Ben Melbourne Vini Vidi Vardi, 2,459. Top five, Matt Hatson, no change at five, with Flying Without Mings, 2,462. No change at four, Adam Wise, with back of the netto, 2,474. And the top three down into third place, Aman Gulati with Team Dalek, 2,478 points. Up in two seconds, Glenn Richardson, with Glenn's Maple Foxes, 2,492, so remaining at the top of the league, Jack R. With Emerson Blues 2,501, meaning that there are nine points between the top two, uh, with this game still playing. Uh, Rashford has just come on, actually, so Glenn's Maple Foxes uh, has got a chance. Fernandez is captain. Sure. Uh, in the side as well so he's got three players playing Emerson Blues top of the table Shaw Fernandez, but no Rashford and also Harland as captain so there's a chance that by the time this uh, podcast is out Glenn could well be top of the league or alongside Jack R so very close Rob who was your pal uh, who was just outside the top 10 Uh, He's in
1: 13th at the minute. Jakey Patel with the Holgate total. 2,400 he's on, uh, as we speak, just nine points outside the top ten. I'm just going to have a look at his team. Um, No Manchester United or Chelsea players in it, so he's not going to climb any further. He's got to hope that the teams above him don't pick up any points with their Manchester United uh, players. Yeah, those of you uh, unaware as to why I've adopted a team and not running my own is because... I missed a couple of weeks a couple of game weeks probably about a month ago and then I did what the Leicester players did and uh, just put my feet up and coasted badly towards the end of the season didn't really care what the results were so I've adopted my mate's team because he was closer to the top 10 and it puts me about 20 places ahead of you Pete
0: yeah I mean I'm I'm in 43rd place um I I have got the excuse where I am top of a head to head league with my mates um we changed from a normal points league over the last, I think we've been doing it about five or six years. I've won the last two years. And so we changed it to a head to head to try and make it a bit more competitive. And I'm top, but I'm only top by three points. And it's, I'm two points ahead as we speak of the person uh, who I'm playing this week. It's all very, very close. Very, very close. Um, I could do with a Martial goal, put it that way. Um, so yeah so that's why i my excuse for not being in the 20s i'm in the 40s which is what i am now anyway but you know um so yeah that's fancy football at the moment but of course uh stand by for any changes because again it's uh, currently just 1-0 to manchester united um as we record now then um i suppose it's what you would say crunch time i mean wh- where will you be watching rob
1: I will be watching in a bar in Santander, Spain, which by I don't know yet, but it's. I'm very pleased that Leicester West Ham's been chosen for um, for TV coverage because that's going to make my life a lot easier. Where where are you watching?
0: Are you going? No, um, the ability to go is there, but um, I'm uh, we're, we're, we're heading away for a few days. We got we got basically the ability to go away this weekend, bank holiday. Normally, with with work, that would be a no. So this weekend was kind of penned in as like right we um, I'm I'm doing some commentary work on the f- Saturday until mid to late afternoon. So it's like right, go, and then you've got two full days away, which is doesn't really happen with work and that. So um and I can't really turn around and, and say to a no say <laughs> so, um say to Kim that we can't. So that's that's why we're gonna go away. Um which I'm kind of fine with, I don't know why, because I should be, you know, pining to go to the King Power, but I don't know, I don't know whether that's just the ambivalent kind of like, whatever, this season, I don't know, I, I just, but, but there we go, um, so, yeah, um, I'll be watching, obviously, you know, but, um, from somewhere, from some seaside place in the UK, it's, uh, or maybe abroad actually, we've still got the option of a flying, but anyway, um, What go on in Rob, I'm gonna allow I'm gonna allow you. Um you go first. What's gonna happen at Leicester? That all you wanna know so far. What's gonna happen at Leicester
1: is it's gonna be one one until the eighty something minute and then someone from Leicester's gonna do a goal and we're gonna win
0: two one. That's my expert opinion. I, I kind of, I, uh, this is just bonkers, I don't know why, I don't know why, but I, I can just see Leicester winning fairly comfortably 2-0, um, maybe scoring halfway through the first half, and, and just playing well, and maybe scoring at the start of the second half, and then going, and then West Ham ringing the changes, I can see that happening, I can see West Ham all of a sudden, an hour gone, 50 minutes gone, 55 minutes gone, and there's all of a sudden five changes and they bring in a load of youngsters, off go a load of first-teamers and there we go. I I, I can see that. So I can see Leicester winning the game quite comfortably. Um, But but you're completely right in what you said earlier. They they need to not concede inside the first 20. But I'm going for a Leicester win. Now, what happens at Goodison? Well, in the real world,
1: Everton win and Leicester get relegated with one of their best performances of the season, if you believe Pete's prediction. Uh, But in this very, very blue-tinted bubble that we continue to operate in and have done for the last 10 years, um, what happens is Bournemouth are winning until very, very late on. Everton get a late equaliser, chuck the entirety of the kitchen sink at Bournemouth, do something mental, out like of a goal mouth scramble or something off the bar and Leicester stay in the Premier League with thirty four points by virtue of goal difference. That's what happens.
0: <laughs> I I believe in Bournemouth. I believe in their ability to to win at Goodison. I do. Now if Goodison come out if Goodison, if Everton come out of the traps at Goodison and are tuning up inside 20 minutes just by completely battering them, then okay, well done. You've, you've won the game. You're in the Premier League. Fine. I And, and it won't be anything against Bournemouth. It's, it, that's the way football is, you know. But I can see it being tight. And I can see Bournemouth scoring. That's the thing. I can see them scoring. I can't see any reason why not. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of the goalkeeper, um, Pickford. And, and also, they don't have Carver-Lewin. I, if they score first... And Leicester are in front, fantastic. Um, just looking at the odds, Everton were one to two. They're they're slightly being backed in now, so nine to twenty, so just slightly less than one to two. They are heavy, heavy favourites. Leicester a shade of odds on. It's um it points towards Everton staying up, but it points towards Everton beating Bournemouth. That's the key thing. Leicester, we've already got there winning the bag according to us. And if Leicester don't win then it's their own fault and there we go. They get they they unbelievably get what they deserve. It won't be a season. If Leicester lose 3-0 on Sunday, it you cannot point to any part of the season and go that was the moment. It uh, Madison's missed penalty and no. No 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 no. There's been a lot of games before, after obviously before but after as well where things could have changed. That is def- even at the time we were kind of saying it wasn't. I know we named the the, the podcast out of it, but it doesn't matter. It's it and we said on the podcast, it's odd enough the amount of people actually got, got a bit a little bit sniffy about that. And it was like, well, hang on. In the podcast, we literally said that it kind of wasn't his fault. I went on to the fact that every penalty I've seen since has been down the middle and it's all gone in. It was just that Pickford read it right, you know. But anyway, um, if they lose on Sunday to West Ham I, there's nothing that any Leicester fan really can go back and go that it was your fault because of that you know that you know uh, unless unless someone scores a, a 60 yard own goal in injury time to draw when Everton are 4-0 down you know something bonkers like that then then you can um, and I'll be the first to do it but um, I can see Bournemouth scoring and I hope they score first, and it turns into that sort of game. Surely, it's an obvious thing, as you said, if Bournemouth are 1-0 up in the second half, Everton are going to throw absolutely everything towards them. And I am going to go for Everton to get a goal back, and it to be a grandstand finish, and there to be a late goal at Goodison, but it's going to be a breakaway goal, and it's going to be a Bournemouth goal. So I'm going to go for a Bournemouth win, that's the thing I'm looking at the prices you can get 61 about Bournemouth I'm looking for a Bournemouth win and hopefully a Leicester win and then we survive in the Premier League and then we've got a whole manner of questions to answer um if we go down we've got a whole host of questions to answer whatever happens it's going to be ridiculous but I'm going for a Bournemouth win by two goals to one How's about that? How's about them, Cherries? And Leicester stay up by a
1: point. That Look at that. Daylight between Leicester and the relegation Daylight. zone. Who'd have thought it? <laughs> I think regardless of, uh, well, whichever way it goes, it is highly, highly unlikely to be a stress-free day for Leicester fans, Leeds fans, Everton fans. Um, even neutrals you know most of the other clubs have got absolutely nothing to play for all eyes are going to be on this relegation battle and the the permutations of it and it's i'm going to be sat in this bar probably a couple of pints of madri deep or whatever lovely spanish lager they've got on tap there and, that. and i'm going to be like eyes fixed to the screen but then when the ball goes out of play I'm getting straight down on my phone and I'm rapidly refreshing the scores. And I wouldn't be surprised if my wife decides that I can go and watch that on my own and she can't be bothered to sit next to me and listen to me every couple of minutes going, oh, this has happened at Everton Bournemouth. And, oh, did you see that on the screen? Because she sat through the last few games with me because she is mildly interested in football occasionally. and um, but, but I think my tension... And I'm not even the worst football fan to watch football with, I don't think, by a long stretch. But I think the tension might be a little bit too much for for her to bear watching. She might just take herself off and have a wander on the on the, on the uh, marina or grab herself a couple of cocktails or something. are going to need something strong to cope with Sunday, aren't we?
0: Yeah, exactly. I don't quite know what Kim will do. Kim, when we're watching the football on Sunday, Leicester in their big relegation battle, last game of the season, and it's all nervous and tense, and I'm shouting and swearing with a pint in my hand and all this, looking at my phone every five seconds, trying to refresh the result at Everton and going, right, we need one goal. When in the 90 minutes will you get up and just go, I'm just going for a walk, I'll be back at the end of the game? First three minutes. First three minutes. (laughs) (laughs) You knew what the answer was going to be. There you go. First 3 minutes. <laughs> well, there we go. There we go. That that's um that's that. But um yeah, I I don't know. It's 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 um is it right to say if we're going to go down, let's just lose 3-0. Everton win 3-0 and score twice in the first 10 minutes and then we all know our fate and it's fine. Let's just not have anything really horrendous happen like Leicester a 3-0 up and then throw it away, or arguably the, well, that would be worse, but something like Everton a 3-0 down and score three injury time goals or four, inch, you know what I mean? Something mad, something absolutely bonkers where you just like, oh, for God's sake, you know. Would that be acceptable? Yeah, but it's the hope that has always driven all, all football
1: supporters within reason, but I think Leicester fans are right up there in terms of the fact that, that, they sort of, there aren't always the expectations there. It's the hope, it's the hope that gets you as a Leicester fan. And even, I, I think I would probably prefer to go through the ringer and still feel like we're in a chance of survival in the 89th minute of the game and to be let down by that than to to be discounted from Premier League survival about as quickly as Kim exits wherever you're watching the game. I think I'd
0: rather live through another 90 minutes of, well, come on, Leicester could do it. It's it's been some interesting chat regarding people saying, oh yeah, we kind of need to go down to have that big refresh. I I completely, no way. You know, you stay in the Premier League and you do it from there. You bring in a new manager, change of fortunes, players start playing well with a new side, etc. You know, that's the way it is. Because you're not guaranteed automatic promotion back. Um saying that, and I and that's what I believe. So, yeah, relegation, no, no no no. But saying that because of this season and because of the amount of players who are going to be leaving, and also the amount of players who really kind of need to go, even those who are will be moving to to bigger and better clubs. You can see that as an argument, or and 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 But do we, as fans of Leicester, or is this just a bonkers question? Do we kind of go? We've had our time there for now. Let's go back for a let's just have a season off and then come back. Is that is you know is that kind of right, or am I just kind of um, gold plating the turd that is relegation? Right now, you are. But
1: ask me again in the next podcast that we record. When we're when we're relegated, and I'll be like, "Oh, this is a great opportunity to refresh the the club from the coaching staff to the playing staff, and you know, go again next year." Blah 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 blah. But right now, no, it's a, it's a it's a much bigger risk to take because the championship's a difficult league. Um, you've got to try everything. I'm not saying they won't, but you, you know, you you've got to desperately try and cling on to Premier League status because. Th- those of us that are of a um, of a certain age will have watched plenty of non Premier League football in their time supporting Leicester. I know a lot of the people it's listening generation to this... now. It's a,
0: it's a generation, Rob. Yeah, it's a generation.
1: Well, yeah, I know there's a lot of people listening to this uh, that will have watched more uh, second tier football uh, as a Leicester fan than I have, but I've I've watched my fair share of it. Um, obviously had the League One season, that kind of stuff as well, and. You know, the the refresh can still happen when Leicester City are a Premier League club. And I think that refresh will be an awful lot easier to do so with Premier League status because, you know, I think the thing with the championship is when you get down there, you've then, uh, you can then only really attract a certain calibre of manager because let's say, for instance, you're talking names like if Leicester stay in the Premier League, is it somebody like Graham Potter that's going to come and take this project on? And Leicester with Premier League status, I can see it. Leicester with championship status, I can't see him taking that risk. And that you know, you lose an entire calibre of manager there. And you do exactly the same with the types of players. And the turnover in players is going to be more significant if we get relegated. So you've then got the the fact that you've got to do a lot of incomings and outgoings to get a squad together to to compete to get out of the championship again you can still do this refresh as a Premier League club and I would
0: much, much rather do that. Absolutely would. Yep, I agree. Whatever the case is, we'll be back next week with a, uh, a podcast that's either going to be incredibly deliriously happy or it's going to be... Um, in fact, it won't be. I, I, I think what we're going to do next week, Rob, I have I had this in my mind for the last few days. Whatever the case is, whether we get relegated or we survive, we just do the most um, double... Kind of half and half episode possible. So the first half, we basically go on a complete misery rant. So, what went wrong? Okay. And what went wrong in terms of surviving just, but what went wrong this season? And then what went wrong to the point of we've gone down? Um, Martial's just scored for Manchester United, so I could win this week in fancy football. Um, so basically, yeah, what went wrong? Who's rubbish? that was terrible, this, that, you know, the real moan of half an hour. And then the second half will be completely optimistic, you know, we're going to win the league or we're going to actually completely rebuild in the Premier League and actually things aren't that bad. So it's going to be a real half and half episode. So regardless of what happens, you're going to have half of a Fox 8 podcast some, uh, next week that's going to be really morose and the rants off the scale, you know, real... Proper harsh stuff. And then all of a sudden, it will flip over and it's going to be the most optimistic podcast um, afterwards for the second half of the show. So what do you reckon? Do you reckon that's a, a good way of looking forward to next week? I'm looking forward to actually being really miserable in the first half. You know I like that. I think it's the only way. I can't do an hour
1: of uh, relegation misery. We've, we've, got, we've got to find some
0: silver lining, some positive somewhere, and I'm sure we'll dig some out. I can find a silver lining, don't worry about that, I can find a silver lining, there's a silver lining on the end of a mushroom cloud, or whatever the saying goes, so uh, I can find that, so it's, um, yeah, anyway, that's it for the podcast, good luck everyone, (laughs) on Sunday, Um, enjoy it wherever you are, enjoy the ride, enjoy the the roller coaster of emotions, we've not had this for a long time in a relegation fight, I know we had the top four um, fights at the end of the season, which i kind of slipped my mind actually but you know it's understandable um so yeah try and enjoy it and don't get too down if it just goes a bit wrong um you know we could do a burnley next year um we could do a burnley or we could do a brighton next year we could win the championship or have a stunning season with a load of unknown players that we sign in the summer how about that (music)